Hello again. Thank you for uh, joining us for Real Parables. I am Graham, Devin, and Matt. Uh, we are here to talk about some of our favorite topics. Uh, Jesus and his ministry and our ministry and movies. So, you know, Real Parables is really um, committed to, to taking a look at these Hollywood films that oftentimes get a bad rap, you know, by the Christian community, and look at them in a little bit different way. You know, look at them in a way that's, uh, that instead of, you know, being these stories that don't have any connection with, you know, actual life, but to try and look at them how Jesus would look at them as ways to tell timeless truths about um, himself or God or the way we're supposed to live our lives. And uh, today we are doing that with a, a movie that's very near and dear to all of our hearts, and probably to yours, if you have not seen this movie. Um, I don't know where you've been for the last 20 years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because we're talking about probably one of the it's best... hard to avoid this movie. I think this is probably one of the best selling of all time animated movies, uh, Shrek 2. Um, we decided to go with Shrek 2 because, you know, all of them are, have their own, you know, highs and lows, but, you know, there's some very strong themes that we wanted to pull from in this movie, and, uh, you know, yeah, I think it's personally my favorite to watch. Yeah, so, I would agree. So, uh, we're, we're going to take a look at Shrek 2, and Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about this and get us kicked off? Yeah. So, um, if you never, you know, again, if you haven't seen Shrek 2... I'm sorry. Just watch go, all the Shrek go, movies. Yeah. Yes. Watch Shrek 1, Shrek 2. The, the first two are available for free on Hulu right now. They are all yeah. available on Netflix currently. And on Netflix, yeah. They just I, put them all on Netflix. I just looked on Netflix and they weren't there. Yeah. They lied to me. Yeah. Those jerks. But they are on Hulu. Hulu. Uh, 1 and 2, if you have Hulu Live, you can watch all four. Or yeah. you could just borrow my collection of all the movies <laughs> if you want to. Just ask me. Yeah. Including Puss in Boots, the spinoff. Yeah, I have, yeah. I have everything. <laughs> But yeah, so, um, you know, in Shrek 1, we have uh, Shrek and Fiona. Shrek is, um, he's an ogre. And he, uh, you know, in Shrek 1, he rescues Fiona from the, the castle. And she's got a, a secret that at night she turns into an ogre. And True Love's Kiss is supposed to break the spell. And, and, um, and so, you know, they end up kissing. But she doesn't turn into a human. She turns into an ogre. <laughs> And so, you know, they kind of start this whole life together and kind of see them in their honeymoon, just having a good time. And then, um, you know, they get back to the house and, and you know, Donkey's there. Um, Donkey's just hilarious. And and so they, they, they're getting ready to start their life when this carriage shows up and with these trumpets blasting. And this guy comes out and he says, uh, hey, I'm, I'm here to invite you to the kingdom of far, far away for a banquet for you and your and your your husband, and um, and so it's Fiona's parents, her mom and dad, and so there's from that very point there's a lot of like apprehension on on Shrek's part. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an ogre, she's an ogre now. You know, and so you kind of get this idea of like they he doesn't think the family's gonna approve. Mm-hmm. You know, they're expecting a prince charming, and so. That carriage pulls up after that, you know, hilarious ride where like donkeys just being so annoying in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Are we there yet? Yeah. Are we there yet? And so you know they finally get there and the carriage pulls up and the whole town is there and they're and like you know they they the doves fly out of the box and like here they come and everyone's just like what <laughs> what is this. <laughs> You know, and then, like, one, even one of the doves, like, looks down to see him, like, it's smacked, in, you know, into a wall. It's, like, just hilarious. But, you know, you see you see these, you know, and, and Shrek's been an ogre his whole life. And so he knows, you know, there's guys with pitchforks. And he knows, you know, that he's just not generally liked because he's an ogre. And, and so, you know, that was one of the first things that I thought of was, you know, looking at Fiona's parents. And you see them, you know, when they, when they, when everything kind of clears and they see them together and they're like, why is my daughter an ogre? Mm. You know, I thought she was supposed to marry Prince Charming and this is all supposed to go away. Mm. Like, how do you handle situations where you expect one thing, but it turns out to be something totally different? 
Yeah, uh, you know, there's several instances where, you know, I think we all experience this throughout our lives, but, you know, the in relationships that happens, the one that immediately stuck out to me was in ministry, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I went off to uh, Texas for preaching school, uh, even though I never intended on being a preacher. My plan was to always be a youth minister, but I went off to a preaching school, went to Christian college, you know, worked very, very hard to do all these you know, in-depth Bible courses and history of the Old Testament and history of the New Testament and, you know, apologetics and, you know, all these yeah. these classes, uh, Greek and, you know, and coming out of college, I had a very clear idea of what ministry was going to be like and then getting into the actual nitty-gritty of ministry it was totally different you know for mm-hmm. one i haven't used greek like really <laughs> like really i mean i've used some greek words and you know in lessons and 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 sermons and that kind of stuff but you know it's not really getting into yes. the meaning of greek yeah um it's something that anybody could find on google yeah you know <laughs> yeah but um, and there's a lot of other stuff that, you know, I haven't used, you know, so my expectation of being in full-time ministry, whether we're talking about teens or, you know, to adults with my role now, very little of that is actually what I had anticipated it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for instance, I never thought my job as a minister would have been, would involve me in digging a 150 foot line, you know, trench you know eight feet deep you know and digging out a six inch you know water main and helping replace that but you know it's not bad it's just different and you know i think there's some people that uh, that can't handle you know things not living up to expectations but i know that as time has gone on in my ministry you know especially now i'm just kind of more expecting that there is no there is no set course in mm-hmm. what our roles are going to be in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, we might have an idea and you might be able to do some broad strokes kind of stuff, but you know, I think every job, you know, you there's some broad strokes of what you're supposed to do, but the the details are where we find ourselves getting so upset. You know, in this movie for instance, you know, they knew that she that their daughter was going to be rescued. They knew that uh, this person would break the the spell, the curse that was cast against her, um, and they knew that she had married the person who had rescued her twice. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you know the details was is it was an ogre that had done all that, not Prince Charming. You know, so that's what they were really upset. They were upset about those little details, and we do that in life all the time. We get wrapped up in, you know, little details about, well, that's, how many times have you been in a job where you hear somebody say, well, that's not my job. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, well, that's not what my job, that's not my job description. Yeah. You know, my job description says this. And my response is like, no, your job description is to do what I tell you, and I'm telling you <laughs> to wash dishes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I think we get... We have a tendency as humans to get upset about the details that don't match our expectations when we'd probably just be a lot happier in life if we learned to be a little more accepting yeah. of mm-hmm. um, being part of a team. Yeah, and I think that's what really uh, is important here is that as a family in this movie, they should have been you know, more cohesive and unified, Mm -hmm. but they got frustrated by the details and they, and it wasn't just the, the parents that were frustrated. It was Shrek too. Yeah. And then, you know, also ultimately, uh, Fiona because of how they were acting. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I thought about too, with, with this scene, um, you're talking about how, you know, it wasn't what they expected. And I think about, you know, when Jesus was on the cross and all his disciples are watching this, you know, I'm sure like in the back of their mind, that's not what they thought mm-hmm. yeah. was going to happen to the Messiah. 
you know, and so, you know, they're like, I don't, I don't understand what, you know, why is, why is this happening? I thought this is supposed to be something different. You know, so I think, I think, yeah, we just need to, we need to understand that, like, sometimes things, the things that we see and the things that we, that, you know, the things that we see and, and, and acknowledge sometimes aren't exactly the way we, we hope they would be. Sometimes they're even better. Yeah. So I think it can be easy to forget that it's better or not realize that it's better because you're so focused on this wasn't what I expected. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, that, that kind of carries on into the, the next one because, you know, now we have, I love that scene where they're both, the, both, um, Harold and his wife and Fiona and Shrek are walking towards each other Mm -hmm. and they do that little conversation. Like, it's going to be a disaster. Very Mike Myers kind of conversation. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, they get there, and then there's that whole dinner scene, which is just hilarious. You know, you got, you know, Donkey showing up. And and so, I, you know, in this scene, what I, what I really see, especially from Fiona, is this idea of, I really want my parents to accept him. Mm-hmm. I want that approval. Mm-hmm. You know, and she wants, she wants that approval for Shrek. Yeah. You know, and, and so... Um, you know, they're even like, she's even trying to like build up their life. You know, like, she's like, you know, Shrek owns his own land. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, little duckies. And, <laughs> yeah. and then like, Donkey's like, I know you ain't talking about the swamp. You know, and like, I mean, I, how many times in our lives have we tried to like impress someone to gain their approval? Mm-hmm. Like what, like, you ever exaggerated something to just like. It happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I don't feel like we as humans even realize we're doing it a lot of the time. It's just like. When, when you want to, you, you typically, you want to put on a good face when you're meeting somebody, especially if it's someone that is important to you, you, you want them to look at you in, in good faith. Like they don't, yeah. you don't, you don't want to look at, or want someone to look at you as a failure. Just. Yeah. Isn't that what high school reunions are all about? <laughs> no, I'm doing better than you. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're not. <laughs> yeah. That's why I haven't been to a high school reunion yet. But, yeah. <laughs> But I think meeting the meeting the parents is like the ultimate example of this. Like yeah. you definitely put on a good, your best foot forward, meeting the parents. Yeah, with the with the with the, uh, the hand washing yeah. bowl soup. <laughs> Excellent soup, Mrs. Q. <laughs> I mean, just like the way they show it is just so hilarious. And like you have this kind of argument going between Shrek and 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 King Harold and and. And this is a big argument, and they talk about kids, and everyone just kind of, you know, they both kind of freak out, and mm-hmm. it's just such a great, you know, just a great scene there. But then, you know, after that scene, you know, Fiona's just really devastated. Like, she's just really upset because, you know, not only was her, you know, her husband just being a jerk, but her dad was being a jerk. And it's like, it's the two people that, for her, mattered the most don't like each other. And she wants them to be friends. She wants them to be part of the family. And so she goes back to her room, and she is crying, and a tear falls down her cheek, and here comes the fairy godmother. Mm-hmm. And I kind of see the fairy godmother as kind of like a devil-like character, mm-hmm. you know, where there's a lot of deception, there's a lot of, um, you know, telling, telling a lie with a little bit of truth in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she walks up and she, she pops in through a little bubble and, and she's shocked when she, she's Fiona because she's an ogre mm-hmm. and she's like, um, that's not what I had planned on, you mm-hmm. know, and we don't know it at this point, but you know, Prince Charming is her, is her son. And so, you know, she goes in there and she's trying to help Fiona to get, make her happy. And she starts to sing this song and. There's a line in the song where she says, I know what every princess needs for her to live life happily. And then she, and so she starts to like, you know, wave her wand around and give her a makeover and she gives her this cute little dog and like all the furniture's talking and, um. Very Disney. Yeah, very Disney. He's on my say. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and so then, but, you know, so then Fiona's kind of like, kind of like, hey, time out. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't need all this. This is great, but I don't. I don't need this. She just wants to be loved and respected. She wants her husband to be loved by her dad. And you know, I, I think our, in our lives, we spend so much time thinking that 
you know, beauty and money and other material things will make us happy, but in the end they don't. Mm. So what do you, why do you think that so many people believe that these things make them happy? Like what, what is it about these material things that, that we, we yearn for so much in our lives? Well, I think it's, it's faster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it goes back to your childhood, you know, you, um, you're a kid and you really want, you know, back when I was a kid, it was G.I. Joe. I don't know what mm-hmm. the, I mean, now it's probably some app, but, you know, I really wanted this G.I. Joe. Uh, I saved up, you know, 10 bucks or whatever they cost, you know, to buy this G.I. Joe. I went to the store and I got immediate gratification from that thing. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing just kind of carries through in the rest of our lives is, you know, the materialistic stuff gives us immediate gratification and for some reason we can't get it through our minds that it's temporary it's the serotonin yeah it, it's not it's not real it yeah. might give you momentary happiness because of you know this chemical reaction of i got what i wanted mm-hmm. but ultimately you're going to get tired of that gi joe and want the next gi joe for me, you know, my problem, uh, not recently as much, but in the past, is cars. Okay, uh, I love, I love cars, mm-hmm. and it's not just classic cars. I love cars, and I get bored with cars. So, you know, I would, you know, buy a car, and I would really like it for a couple months, and then I'd be, okay, well, how much longer do I have to keep this, <laughs> or what do I have to do to sell this and get something else? Yeah. And you just get in this whole thing where you're going back and forth trying to convince yourself that, well, if I buy this car, it's going to make, it's going to make me happier in the moment. I'm going to be happier with this car. When the reality is, is it's just trans- transportation. Mm-hmm. It's not really bringing you any joy, not real joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're ultimately just wasting money, you know? So I think it starts when we're kids and we just never really get out of that mold. We're taught from a young age, probably by our parents, that stuff makes you happy, mm-hmm. you know? So I need more stuff if I want to ultimately be happy. Yeah. And, you know, we are willing to do away with all uh, the really important stuff in pursuit of that momentary happiness, you mm-hmm. know? So uh, we push away our families, and we push away our friends, and we push away uh, what we've seen recently, you know, in the churches all over the world, but prim- primarily in the United States, is people come so, you know, focused on that momentary happiness that they push away the church. You know, that thing that, you know, used to bring some kind of uh, bond and connection, you know, now seems, well, it's just a, a waste of time. So I'm going to go do something that makes me feel good. So I'm going to go to the gym, or I'm going to go play golf, or I'm going to go. You know, to the movies, or we make an excuse like, well, I've been busy the rest of the week. I just want Sunday to be my family day. But does the family really do anything on your family day? Or are you really just using that as an excuse to not be a part of something bigger than yourself? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, know, Fiona has a lot of um, emotional maturity in that conversation, like, I don't want any of that mm-hmm. because what made me happiest is being at that dirty, smelly swamp with my husband and with all of our friends spending time together. Mm-hmm. I don't need the fancy castle. I don't need the princess life. I don't need a fairy godmother who's going to grant my wishes. I just need the people I love to be in my life every day because mm-hmm. that's what matters mm-hmm. yeah. and it still matters to each one of us it's not just a, a movie trope that's out yeah. there I mean it's it's something that you know deep down you know I mean most people who are on their deathbed and they're expressing their regrets you know the number one regret they all have is I wish I had spent more time with my wife or more time with my kids or more time you know helping other people yeah. you know yeah very rarely do people say, I wish I had uh, more time driving my my uh, classic car around. Yeah. Yeah. As much fun as it is to drive a classic car, and I'm not bashing any of that. Yeah. Sorry, Mike and Charlie. But um, <laughs> and there's 
lot of fun in that, but it mm-hmm. can't be our sole focus, which is what, you know, the fairy godmother's trying to do. She wants stuff to be people's focus because, like you said, as that devil character, if you're focused on the stuff, then you're not focused on what's important. Yeah. And what's really important is family, God, and friends, yeah. and relationships with all of them. So when you were when you were talking about the idea of, uh, you know, we, get, we learn from an early age that, you know, these materialistic things are good. And I think of that scene, you know, right after this when, you know, Shrek can't sleep and he goes and he finds Fiona's diary. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I'm going to be up in this castle and, and this prince is going to come and slay the dragon and climb the tower and, and kiss me and then I'm going to become Mrs. Fiona Charming. And, like, every page yeah. is like, Mrs. Fiona Charming. And, like, and it's like, you know, she grew up her whole life believing, like, this is what's going to happen. Mm. You know. This and, is the dream. This is the dream. And then as she goes on, you know, in the first movie, she realizes by the end, like, that's not what I really want. I don't, you know, I don't need mm-hmm. to be, I don't need a castle. I don't need, you know, a tall Prince Charming. I just, I want someone to just love me. Mm. And I think that's something that's so cool in that scene. And, you know, we, and we move from there after that whole conversation, you know, goes on. We see, you know, King Harold talking to the, um, you know, the fairy godmother. And she pulls up in her little carriage and <laughs> gets in. And, yeah. You know, sees Prince Charming in there. And, and she's trying to, like, convince him, like, you need to take care of this situation. If you don't, I'm going to, you know, because... She's like, I helped you with your happily forever after. Now you know. Now you owe me. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a, almost like a mafia kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like a fairy god mafia. Yeah. One hand washes the other. Yeah. And and so like and so, you know, the king kind of comes up with this idea of um, you know hiring a hitman, and then he goes up to Shrek's room, and he says to him, Hey, I'm really sorry for my behavior. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't a very good person, and. And Shrek says this amazing line. He says, I think we both acted a little like ogres. <laughs> you know, and I just, I love that. I love that, that's, that, that moment because I think deep down what Shrek really cares about is I just want my wife to be happy. Mm. I want her to be happy. And if, if me getting along with her dad makes her happy, then I'll do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, I think that is something that we so often try to, you know, to like, to do, you know, we, we, we look at things and we think, okay, you know, if I can just, if I do this, then maybe this person will be happy. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think that's this really interesting point. You guys have any thoughts on, on that part? Yeah. I think sometimes we, we have a delusion of what happiness is. You know, we think that, um, and I don't think that's what, what Shrek has here. But yeah. I think sometimes we get focused on, well, I just want to make somebody happy. And going back to the, the previous conversation, you know, we assume that, well, my wife and I just got in this fight, or my friend and I, or my parents and I, whoever you're talking about, whatever the relationship is, yeah. we just got in this, this argument about something that's emotional and personal, and I want them to be happy. So, um, I'm not necessarily going to address that issue. I'm going to do something uh, that's more on the other side with materialistic stuff. You know, so mm-hmm. the typical the guy thing, right? You know, you yeah. get in a fight with your wife and you go uh, buy them flowers. Flowers. <laughs> or if you're a little, if you did something a little bit worse, uh, you go buy them chocolate. Or if you did something really bad, you go buy them jewelry. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so we think that this materialistic thing is going to fix, you know, that, that deeper problem. And it's not because, the, the once again, the, the flowers and the candy and the jewelry or whatever it is is not going to fix the real problem. And happiness, you know, happiness is ultimately illusion. You know, right? It's not real. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, joy is real, you know, that uh, where you can feel good about the situation you're in even if things are really bad but real happy is an illusion you know we don't 
you know, because it lasts such a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you you mentioning like the getting flowers or jewelry yeah. for your wife type of thing. Every time I go to the store and I think like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice and get Lauren a bouquet of flowers and some wine, uh-huh. and I'm in that checkout line. I don't think there's been a single time somebody hasn't said, "What'd you do wrong?" <laughs> like the everybody just assumes I'm in trouble yeah. <laughs> and I'm doing everything I can to fix the problem. Yeah. I'm just trying to be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've never really been one much for that kind of stuff, but I had a friend who, he was trying to be nice, mm-hmm. and he had uh, flowers sent to his wife, and then she'd spent all day worried, well, what are you about to confess to me that you thought you needed to send me flowers? <laughs> He's like, nothing, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that you know we do all this, we do all this stuff to try and make you know that that feeling of happiness something to say. And we ultimately want what's best for the people we love, but yeah. Yeah. we have to really take to heart what truly makes people happy. Yeah, because nine times out of ten, it's not going to be a monetary thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there might be somebody who's genuinely in need of something, and providing that something for yeah. them can bring some joy because in that they know that they're loved and appreciated. But that's yeah. rare. Usually, when you're talking about relationships, you know, uh, your spouse or your friend or whatever it happens to be probably rather spend some quality time hanging out than getting some kind of stupid gift Mm -hmm. yeah i think that i think with that with that thought you know we move to that to you know there's kind of this wreck this kind of perceived reconciliation with you know with king harold and with shrek Mm -hmm. now shrek doesn't know that he's hired a a hitman and so you know he goes out and goes to you know goes out to the woods um with donkey and they run into the hitman, which is actually even a man, it's Cat. Yeah. Puss in Boots, um, played by Antonio Banderas, just a phenomenal job yeah. with that character. So, yeah. just so funny. It's Puss. <clears throat> you know, and they have this little yeah. fight, and, <laughs> and then, you know... Which Antonio Banderas makes a horrible hitman, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, like, he fails terribly. <laughs> Not <laughs> even close. So badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he's, like, about to, like, you know, make it all, you know, he's about to, you know, destroy him, and all of a sudden hacks up a hairball, you know, yeah. and has to, like, stop, and Trick's like, okay, what's, you know, just picks him up, like, what's, you know, what's your, what's your deal, man? And, you know, so you get this whole scene, you know, where he kind of tells Trick, like, look, I was hired by the king, um, you know, that's, you know, that's who hired me, please don't kill me, you know, I'll join your team. Um, which Shrek tells him, like, you know, join us, we have jackets, which I thought was really <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, so they go out to, um, they go out to the fairy godmother's, um, compound, or, like, factory. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, they get in there, and, and he wants to go talk to the fairy godmother and say, hey, what can I, what can I do? Is there some kind of potion that you have? Is there anything you can do to help me to make my wife happy? And, and she's, you know, starts looking through, you know, all these fairy tale books and she's like, you know, nope, you know what, this one doesn't have an ogre being happy, uh, this is this one, no ogres, no ogres, and goes through, like, all of them, you know, including Pretty Woman, which I thought was, <laughs> yeah. was great. And, okay, and, every fairy tale. Yeah. And she's like, in every fairy tale, there's no ogre that lives happily ever after. And I feel like... It's just, I feel like the way that she's treating him is just, is just so like, you know, she's just trying to tear him down. And you know, we know that she has this agenda because she wants her son to be king, but I mean, what do you think, what do you think, why do some people just love to tear other people down? Well, I think this almost even way it tears into the, the idea of racism yeah. know, a little bit. I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, our idea of racism, yeah. but it's, you know, definitely like there's this hierarchy in this fairy tale world about who's like 
the the good fairy tale mythical creatures and who are the 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 lesser yeah. fairy tale creatures. So you have you know this fairy godmother. You know she's you know as far as mythical creatures, you know she's up there with the celebrity unicorns and you know all the good yeah. cool stuff. You yeah. know, and then there's ogres, which in her opinion are down on the very bottom. And we treat people like that, you know, so often in this world. I mean, there's the obvious examples, but there's also the you know, the little bit less obvious examples that we see. And, you know, it's so heartbreaking to, you know, see any kind of person being, being discounted just because of who you think they are, yeah. you know, based on your predisposed idea of what it means to be an ogre in this place mm-hmm. or, you know, in our vernacular, a person of color. You know, we have uh, this horrible problem as people of being very uncomfortable around people who are different than us and I think it's getting better Yeah. Uh, I mean especially better than it was 50 years ago but um, I think the, the, but I'm also saying this from a, a non-oppressed you know yeah. perspective yeah. but um, you know, I think there's there's still a long ways to go you know there's still yeah. A whole lot of hate, a whole lot of racism out there, and it's deplorable. But I think we need to ask the question: Or what are we doing to be a part of the solution? Yeah, you know, I mean, because it's not enough to just not be a part of the problem. You know, for many years that was kind of the the church's response. Well, I'm not part of the problem. I'm not doing anything to promote hate. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to go that next step. Well, what are we going to do as a church to be a part of the solution? You know, not just, you know, kind of staying out of it. You know, that's what, you know, a lot of the churches did during Hitler's time. Well, I'm just going to stay out of it. Yeah. You know, I just, you, yeah. you keep doing you and we're going to keep doing what we do. And, you know, we'll try and keep, each, keep away from each other. But that's not good enough. Yeah. You know, churches here did it with the Klan. You know, well, you know. I know the Bible says we're supposed to love each other, and you have a different view of that, and just leave us out of it. Or maybe we're gonna, we're not gonna tell our members they can't participate in that as long as I don't directly know about yeah. it. It can't be a church function. Yeah. But that's not good enough, you know. As a church, and whether we're talking about people of color or people that have uh, different sexual orientation or whatever it happens to be, we can't continue to. Discount them. Yeah, discount them as being lesser than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just not... Um, and we can't just stay quietly in the shadows saying, well, I'm just going to be quiet and hope that nobody asks me my opinion on it. Yeah. I think we have to be vocal and say, no, that person, no matter who they are, doesn't matter what their sexual orientation is, the color of their skin, the language they speak whatever, they are equally loved by God. And because of that, they are equally loved by me. I think, you know, when I think about this part, the thing that I think about so much is, you know, when Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And because people are trying to ask him, well, who is my neighbor? You know, who am I supposed to love? Like, you know, am I supposed to love just, you know, my Jewish friends? And And Jesus says, no, you're supposed to love everybody. And he, you know, he says, here's an example. Here's a guy who gets mugged on the side of the road. You know, a priest walks by, other side, doesn't want to get involved. You know, doesn't want to get dirty, right? You know, another guy, uh, you know, a Pharisee comes by and does the same thing. And then a Samaritan who's like, you know, a disgraced group of people in this area takes this person, has compassion, and, and decides to, to wound, you know, help them heal their wounds and then gives the innkeeper money and says, hey, Take care of this guy. If you know, if you need more, I'll give you more when I come back. Mm-hmm. And you know, so this idea of like, who is our neighbor? And you know, we need to be so much more willing to to understand that our neighbor isn't just the person who lives next to us, or the person who lives, you know, in the same kind of financial background that we have. But it has to be with this person is a human being created by God. Mm-hmm. And so I need to love this person 
like God loves me and I, how I should love myself. And I mean, that's just such a a great part of that of this whole story with this movie is, you know, they people look at him because he's an ogre, but you know, his heart is changing every day because Fiona loves him and like mm. does never stops loving him. And donkey loves him. And donkey loves him. Yeah. Yeah, that was part of the thing that came out in the first movie more is, you know, Shrek as the ogre uh, hated everybody. He didn't want to be around anyone. Yeah. He didn't want to be around uh, people. He didn't want to be around mythical creatures. He didn't want to be around anybody. He just wanted to be left alone because he was so um, broken by how he'd been treated through the years and how his family has been treated through the years. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to live an isolated, isolated life. And then over the course of the movie, you get to see that that hard exterior, that oak, that layer, yeah. as he would explain to Donkey, <laughs> yeah. get kind of peeled away, and he starts letting people uh, in, and he starts softening, and we see him become uh, a person that enjoys having relationships with people. Um, yeah, I love how all his, all of the friends that are that he's involved with are like kind of the outcasts, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. the three blind mice and the little pigs, and yeah. you know, the gender confused wolf, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. The, and, uh, gingerbread man. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, this it's just a beautiful picture of, of when you let people into your life, you know, you have, you can have really great friends. So, so we, so, after Shrek gets told by the fairy godmother, look, your kind doesn't get happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he goes and he um, sneaks into the potion room, and they're trying to find a potion. They find one called happily ever after. And they take it, and they they get out of the uh, they get out of the um, factory, and they're walking down the road, and they decide to, to take it. And Donkey decides he's going to be the first one mm-hmm. to try it out. He takes it, doesn't do anything. Shrek takes it, all it does is give him gas. It's a giant fart. And then, um, and then you know, so they keep walking, and then they get to this barn, and they pass out. Um. But, you know, I, I keep thinking about that scene where, you know, before Shrek takes that potion, um, you know, Donkey's trying to remind him, like, hey, look, if you do this, you know, you're going to have to give up the swamp. He's like, I know. He's like, you're going to have to give up playing in the mud. He's like, I know. You have to give up all your ogre things that you really like doing. And he goes, I know. And he says, but I love Fiona more. And I... And, What's interesting to me is like at that same moment that that Shrek is going through that, Fiona goes up to her parents and says, "You know, it was a mistake to bring Shrek here." And they're like, "Oh, thank God you you, know, you agree with us." And she's like, "So I'm gonna go back and find my husband, and we're gonna go back to our swamp and live the life that we want to live together." You know, and and so you see them both like at that point like saying, "I'm willing to sacrifice the things that I thought I cared about." So that I could be with you, and I, and I love that scene. They're both willing to sacrifice certain things for to show the other person how much they love them. Mm-hmm. And what, um, has there ever been a time in your guys' life where you've thought something like that? Like, just what would I be willing to give up for this person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's you know some times there with you know Brianna. You know, some of the struggles that we've gone through, you know, in in life. You know, there was a time where, you know, as a married couple, we were going through some rough, some rough patches. And, you know, a lot of those rough patches had to do with, uh, you know, some situations that had come up because of ministry. You know, uh, I was, I was tired and frustrated uh, with, some stuff that was going on that I didn't really have a whole lot of control of outside of um, doing what I was doing. And, you know, I, I told her, you know, in that moment, like, we can go back to having a different life. You know, I'm willing to, I feel that this is, is where I'm supposed to be. You know, I'm supposed to be working with young people, but you're more important. And I can give up, you know, this life of, paid ministry. I mean, I still feel called to do ministry, but mm-hmm. the life of paid ministry, you know, so that we can work on us. 
and that meant a lot. You know, that meant giving up not just a job, but, you know, we were also living in a church-owned home. And there's no way we could afford to live in San Diego without a church-owned home. Yeah. So uh, that meant we would have to move, but it was all worth it because uh, there is no human relationship more important than the relationship you have with your wife. And uh, I think this movie does a great job at communicating that relationships. And you can talk about it from a marriage standpoint or any kind of human relationship. Yeah. Or even God's you know, relationship with God. It takes work. You know, you see in a lot of movies where uh, everything just seems kind of easy. You know, right? It's yeah. not, that, yeah. not that complicated. Everything just kind of falls together. But real relationships with friends with family, with your siblings, with your kids, um, your relationship with God, it takes work, hard work. And uh, I don't care what kind of relationship you're referring to, they all require some kind of sacrifice. Yeah. You know, if, if it's important enough for you to have that relationship continue on, no matter which one you're referring to, then each person is going to have to be willing to give up a piece of their will. You know, for Shrek, for Shrek and Fiona, you know, she was willing to give up, you know, all the riches, and even if she had to, her family, for Shrek, because he was now her family. Mm-hmm. And Shrek was willing to give up the life of being a boy, <laughs> you know, the gross ogre kind of lifestyle doing whatever he wants and having total freedom and living in a very uncomfortable situation for Fiona you know so that might be extreme examples of what we're talking about but we're all going to have to make sacrifices you know I mean um, you know to have a more in-depth relationship with my son for example uh, Gabe you know he he needs some extra help when it comes to schoolwork you know, he's got some, some challenges that are against him. And um, I knew that I had a more flexible schedule than a lot of parents do. So I was able to move things around and sacrifice to make sure that not only was I able to help him with school, but I was able to grow closer with him. And, uh, and I knew that that was a real opportunity because, you know, Brianna and Gabe have always had a real close bond. And, you know, we have our bond, too, but it's not like his and Brianna's. And, you know, through this time of just dedicated focus that every school day we're going to sit and we're going to do work and we're going to talk and we're going to interact. I'm going to do math, which I hate doing math. (laughs) Um, But we're going to do that together. And, you know, our relationship has gotten stronger because of it. And the same thing is true now with, you know, Danny living with us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another part of that sacrifice is, you know, I don't feel called to be a teacher by any means, but I'm willing to give up my mornings to help these two young men be more successful in school and to have a more personal connection with them. Because I didn't know Danny, you know, from church very well. I mean, I, he grew up around me, but he's been such a quiet kid. Yeah. yeah. You know, he doesn't really talk a whole lot, you know, but now that, you know, there's this time, there's just more of a connection there. And that's important. You know, we all have to have sacrifices. Yeah, I think, when, you know, the next scene in this movie, you see Shrek, um, you know, runs to the castle, because now that he's handsome, you know, he mm-hmm. talk, he's a stallion, and... Fiona's now, you know, she's back to being a beautiful, you know, princess, and, and, and Shrek's trying to find her in the castle, and he gets kind of trapped by the godmother, and, and Charming, you know, pretends to be Shrek, Mm -hmm. and, that, that scene to me is just heartbreaking, because, you know, you see Shrek, and he's like, you know, what am I going to do? But then, like, at the end, he he kind of just accepts the fact that, you know, he believes the lies that the very godmother is telling him. You kind of like the way, you know, sometimes we believe what Satan tells us, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so he, you know, he decides to let her go. 
who's like, I'm going to give her up because, you know, this is, I've been told this is what she really wants. And, like, that scene just is so hard to watch because, you know, I think about, like, what would, you know, it's like that meatloaf song, I would do anything for love, but I won't do but that. But I won't do that. Yeah. He had a lot of things he wasn't willing to do for love in <laughs> yeah. that song, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's just, it's so, you know, it, it's, it's sad, and, and it also shows, like, his his love for her that he that he's willing to say, I'm willing to walk out of this if it makes you happy. Mm. You know? And it, it just it reminds me a lot of, of, you know, a couple things, like, the prodigal son story mm. with like this idea of like the, you know, the father saying, I'm willing to just let you go. Here's, you know, here's your inheritance. You know, I love you, but this is what you really want. And yeah, just, you guys have any thoughts on, on that scene? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think, you know, you see this, you know, they're, they're kind of depressed and they go to that, they go to this little, um, bar and they're sitting there having a drink and the king comes in and he's going to go talk to the fairy godmother who's in the back. And so, you know, Shrek and Donkey and Puss go, you know, behind the, behind the, the house and they're looking through the window and they find out that, you know, Charming is godmother's son and they realize like, whoa, this isn't you know, we've been lied to this whole time. Mm-hmm. And and so they go, and they're going to go back to the castle, and they're going to tell Fiona, and they're going to get, you know, they're going to try to fix everything. But as they're going, they run into the the uh, half, the uh, far, far away police. Mm-hmm. You know, in the end. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you know, and so, like, they're, you know, they get put in jail, and while they're, you know, while they're, you know, while they're in jail, you know, that episode of Cop shows up, yeah. you know, like, all of their little outcast friends are watching it on TV, and they realize, like, whoa, you know, Shrek and Donkey are in trouble. And so, without even a second thought, they just, they show up in, in that land and go... Very quickly, by the way. Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> and, and just, you know, it just reminds me of, like, <clears throat> the idea of, you know... When you have people in your life who care about you, you know, those people are, you know, you know, when you have really good friends, like, they'll, they'll help you without a second thought, you know? And here are some people in your life that you, that you look at and just kind of think that way about that person. A lot of my friends in college, which I feel, I feel like when you're in college, you get, you, you get a lot of those friends where, like, you're, you're with each other so much just in class, then you're living together. Especially small colleges. Yeah, like... Mm-hmm. There's it's a lot of it's a, a lot of friendships that are like you 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 just do anything for those people they're like your best friends yeah. and I think I think those kinds of friendships are amazing because you always have someone to count on it's almost like especially like for me when I was I'm living so far away I, I grew up in San Diego and I was going to college all the way in Michigan across the country uh, where I don't have family my immediate family there with me I have all these people that are like family to me just because of how committed they are to our friendship and just how I know I can always count on them and trust yeah. them to just be there if I was in any kind of trouble, which they were. If I if I had a, a dead battery, one of them would come help me with that. Uh, there was one time I was driving to work in the middle of a snowstorm and my serpentine belt on my car broke. And I this is when I'm already having car battery problems. Yeah. So... My car wasn't going to make it all the way to work, so I, I stopped in the middle of the snowstorm. I don't have any heat in my car, and I call my friend. I'm like, hey, can you help me? And he, he dropped work. He dropped everything to drive the hour and a half to get to me to <laughs> get me in a warm car and, and help me out in my situation. So it's, it's nice having people like that in your life where they, they will just just be there for you. Yeah, yeah growing up, you know, I was, we were, Bree and I had lunch with some members of the church, you know, they've been here since, you know, we, before we were here, but we were having lunch and I was just thinking back, this was going to be my 15th year here at La Mesa, uh, which is crazy to think about, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, growing up, 
never really lived in one place all that long, you know. A couple years here, a couple years there. You know, spent, I think, 10 years in North Carolina, but, you know, I wasn't really close to anybody there. I mean, people were different. Um, I didn't really connect very well. I was also a pretty shy kid. But, you know, here, you know, outside of some connections I have with people that go to the Davis Park Church of Christ mm -hmm. up in Modesto, these are the longest, what I've had here at the church, these are the longest relationships I've ever had in my life. You know, I to be able to say, you know, sit down with friends that I've been friends with for 15 years, you know, that I've count, you know, had many, many meals with over the years and many conversations is such a cool thing. And I know that they're, that there's nothing that I could do that they wouldn't drop and help me in that moment and vice versa. And it's really cool to have those kind of connections with people who aren't your family. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, 15 years ago, they were strangers to me. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice having those kind of relationships, you know, outside of your, your immediate family, you know, that you can call on anytime. You know, there's a few people here at church that I know that I could call on and they would help me out if they were physically able to do yeah. it. You know, because we have some older people who can't, mm -hmm. you know, hey, Clark, come help me move this couch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not going to work. Yeah. But um, he would try, probably. Yeah. He would probably bring, uh, he'd probably bring a come along and some dollies and he would do everything he could to try and help me, you know, and then I would say, what, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> you can hang out as long as you want. You're not going to help me move a couch. But uh, it is really cool having those kind of relationships, those kind of friendships. And I think that we don't find those kind of friendships very often outside of the church. You know, you went to a yeah. Christian school yeah. and you, you know, say, so did I. And I had some friendships there that um, we don't talk as much as we did when I was in school, obviously. But, you know, I know that there's some people that I met back there who would still, if I needed something and they were capable, they would do whatever they could to yeah. help me. And that is... Uh, a unique characteristic that I think you find in the church. I mean, you might develop a few of those relationships outside of the church, um, but they're few and far between. But once you're in the church and you really commit to being a part of that family, you know, you have a, a bond with people that is, uh, in many ways, just unbreakable. Yeah. I think, you know, as, as we get, as we near the end of this movie... Just the idea of, you know, people in your life that are there for you. And, you know, I think of, as we get to the, the scene where Shrek is, is going to try to rescue Fiona. And they have this ball, you know, this big wedding ball. And, and uh, you know, the king at this point has realized, like, wow, you know what, I messed up. I, you know, I shouldn't have tried to kill Shrek. You know, I... You know, I let my own ambitions, my own mm -hmm. selfishness get in the way. And <clears throat> he's supposed to give this potion to Fiona so that when, you know, when uh, Charming kisses her, he'll, she'll fall in love with him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the very end, he switches the tea. And I think at that point, like, you begin to see that, that he begins to understand, like, you know, Maybe this isn't what. Maybe I thought this is what was best for Fiona, mm -hmm. but it's definitely not. Yeah. I see my, I see the look in my daughter's eyes that, she knows something's wrong, mm -hmm. and I don't want her to have to live the rest of her life like this. Yeah. And so, you know, um, so Shrek shows up, you know, on, a, on the on the back of Donkey as a stallion, <laughs> and, you know, and there's this whole scene where, you know, there's Dick fight and. And Charming, you know, uh, or Frey Godmother says to him, Charming, kiss her. She's got, the, she's taking the potion and he kisses her. And, and you know, there's this moment where you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> and, like, then you yeah. see, like, she looks at him and she headbutts him. Cause, like, she's like, no, this is stupid. You're a jerk. Mm -hmm. And. It's a good callback to the first movie. Yeah. And, and then, like, so he realizes, like, at the end that, like, all this is happening. And then Harold, like, jumps in. You know, as as Fairy Godmother's about to like lay a curse on on Fiona. Yeah. 
And he jumps in and he gets hit with this curse. And it just made me think about that whole scene. It made me think about, like, has there ever been a time in your life where you've realized that, you know, you've done something wrong, where you've messed up, and, and now you're going to try to fix that problem? Like, what, what is the, a time you can think of where maybe you've had to do that, where you've said, you know what, I need to fix this. I need to remedy this problem. I can't think of any specifics off the top of my head, but when I, whenever I, like, wrong somebody, like, I, f- I, I feel so guilty about it. Like, I stress <laughs> about it so much, and I, like, do everything I can to fix it. Yeah. Um, I, like, it's just, like, in my character, like, I, I have such a hard time with, like, like, wronging people like yeah. it, it like hurts me so much oh yeah me too like i yeah. can't sleep at night if i thought like i've upset somebody yeah it just bothers me when i was a uh, pretty new christian i probably like months old as a as a christian uh brian and i were already married but we hadn't been married married very long and my in-laws were uh, they still had two uh two daughters at home and the they were going out of town for the weekend, and they asked me to keep an eye on things. But I was work. I mean, I was working in restaurants. I worked nights. I didn't have time to really deal with that kind of stuff. So, um, Brianna got a call from the middle sister, uh, Katrina, that the youngest sister had uh, her boyfriend and a couple guys over. So here I am feeling rushed because I have to get to work, um, not really wanting to deal with the situation because uh, I don't think it's really my job, but you know mm-hmm. I've been put in this situation, so I decide that I'm going to help. And I go over there, and they're not doing anything wrong. I mean, they're just hanging out. You know, they're, not, they're not having a party by any means. I think mm-hmm. they're, the guys were playing video games, and you know, it wasn't anything major. But way overreacted. Yeah. You know, basically told them, I don't have time to make sure you leave, but make sure you're gone. If I hear different, then we're going to have a big problem. Mm-hmm. You know, basically threatening them. You know, and I, I'm a pretty big guy. I can be pretty <laughs> threatening. Yeah. You have a big voice, too. So, um, you know, so had some pretty strong words. Didn't use profanity, but I was very yelly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then the next day, I'm at church. And I see them, and I'm like, you get to that point in communion, you know, where you're supposed to think about the people that you've wronged, mm-hmm. and, you know, are you really at that point where you can commune with Jesus when you're not right with other people? And that was the first time I had to physically get up. I think it's the only time during communion that I felt called to go and make things right before I do communion. Mm-hmm. and. I think I freaked everybody out because, you know, communion is supposed to be a quiet time, right? You're not supposed to talk. You're supposed to take the cracker and drink the juice yeah. and pray and you're done. But here I am. Breaking the steps. Everybody boy. else is like, everybody else is getting up. And like I said, new Christian, I don't know the rules here. So I'm trying to do what I've read in the Bible yeah. and stick to that. So they're passing the trays. I get up and I walk over because she's sitting with her uh, boyfriend's, now husband's family, and ask, hey, can we talk? <laughs> And so we have, you know, we go out and we talk about it and we're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we make amends and at the end of, um, at the end of service, I ask for, you know, the church to pray for us and, you know, we're still, I'm a new Christian and still trying to figure things out and make mistakes. Yeah. But it was so uncomfortable, you know, having to be in that role. But, uh, I think it helped me to understand the seriousness of having, those that ill will Mm -hmm. you know that it really does affect your ability to commune with god and jesus Mm -hmm. when there's trouble between siblings it's heavy on your mind yeah yeah and most of the time i don't really think about it you know yes you know i'm kind of that that bull right i i just go and i do things the way that i see best in the moment and i don't really think much about them after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, every once in a while, God will put something in your heart and say, no, 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 you need to stop yeah. <laughs> and think 
and figure out how you're going to fix this. Yeah. So. It's hard. Yeah. You know, as we get near the end of this movie, we, you know, we see, you know, Shrek's there, Fiona's there, and, and all of a sudden the clock starts to, to, to count down to midnight. And, and Fiona looks at, Shrek looks at Fiona and says, you know, if you kiss me right now, then we will stay this way. And we'll have every, we'll have our own happily ever after. And she's like, I want what any princess wants. And he's like, all right, you know, and he's ready to kiss her. And she's like, I want to live with the ogre that I married. And <clears throat> I, I love that part because she realizes, one, she realizes what Shrek was willing to give up for her. Mm-hmm. That he's willing to give up all of the, the ogre-esque things that he had done his whole life that he enjoyed. And, and now she's beginning to realize, I don't need these things to be happy. You know, I, for the last couple days, I had, you know, I had Prince Charming as my fiance, you know, and like, I wasn't happy. I was miserable. I want, I want you and I want the way you are. I don't want, I don't want, you know, a better version of you. I don't need a better version of you. I want you. And I just, I love that scene because... You know, she doesn't need the princess dream life. All she wants is the love of of Shrek. You know, plus she also at that point gets, you know, she gets her father's approval and all that stuff as well. But that last scene where he's willing to sacrifice everything and she's willing to, she doesn't, and she realizes I don't need that. And it's just it's just a beautiful scene. Like, what do you guys think of the the way they end that that scene? It's just, it's a, it's I think a powerful example of just unconditional love. Yeah. Like I I love you as you are, not, not who you could be. Yeah. I I love you as you are in this moment. Like yeah. I I think that's, it's a powerful message and. It like it's just like a, it's also just a good. Imagery of like how you, how you want your marriage to be. You you want to to just continue to love that person no matter you, you don't want them to change for you you just want to love them as they are well, yeah. and we even see that illustrated in the queen right you know the yeah because Harold you know the king he got turned back into a frog. what he was before his happily ever after yeah so he's a frog and the queen seems to Doesn't, still accept yeah. him as her husband even yeah. though he's a frog and there's no going back to being the king anymore at least yeah. not in the human sense you know, but she's just, you know, willing to accept them that he had flaws too. Mm-hmm. And I, and so true with a lot of parts of life, you know, the things that we tend to uh, overreact to, you know, usually there's some deeper reasons as why we're overreacting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you guys have any other, any other thoughts on this movie or any other ideas? Last thought I had is, you know, I just love that, um, this movie, you know, as you go through, we've talked about this a little bit, but just the, even outside of the, the bonds of relationships, you know, it really is communicating that money doesn't provide happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, that, um, you know, even outside of, you know, the, the husband, wife or the, you know, family relationships or friend relationships, <coughs> that just having... Um, a place where you can be yourself, where you can be with your friends, you know, that is worth more weight in gold than we can possibly imagine. Mm. Because that's where you get to truly be yourself, where you get to build genuine, authentic relationships. And you find, um, you know, from a Christian sense, that you it's in those kind of things where we're not pursuing materialism and that consumeristic kind of thought that we get to understand who we are and how we've been created to be in Jesus. So that's my last thought. It's a, it's a great movie. Yeah, it really is. If you have not seen the, the Shrek movies, there's four Shrek movies and one Puss in Boots movies. And I think there's a TV show that was Puss in Boots. Some specials. Some specials. Halloween and Christmas specials. Yeah. I think there was a game video game. Uh, I think it was a Shrek 2 video game. Yeah. But usually that is just playing through the 
the movie line. Back in the day, they used to have Shrek ketchup that was green, mm-hmm. and Shrek, <laughs> Shrek oh, yeah. Cheetos that were normal color, but they turned your tongue green, and it was mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, I don't want to know the chemistry behind that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're putting in our bodies. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Shrek, and I really hope that DreamWorks doesn't decide to remake these movies. Yeah. I think they, they should just leave them alone. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they are great. And there's a lot of people who, you know, they're trying, they were, they're cartoons, so people think of them being as children's movies. And I don't have a problem with them still being seen as children's movies, but there, there is a little bit of language. You know, it's a, it's a little bit, but there's a little bit of language. Yeah. You know, in these, uh, there's definitely, I think Shrek really kind of kicked off the whole making an animated movie that kids and parents yeah. can like, <laughs> um, but, but they're great. They, I really recommend them to people of all ages. I mean, I watch these on my own. Uh, <laughs> I was, I had to wait for one of my kids to, uh, do a service project for school. I didn't want to drive all the way home and all the way back, you know, for just like an hour and a half. So I just sat in my van, and this is when it was on Netflix, and watched the first track. You know? <laughs> because why not? Because yeah. it's a great movie. And uh, I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you will take the time to watch these movies and look at them from a different perspective. Maybe you will find um, you know, a, a, a parabolistic kind of idea that we didn't pick up on. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much there. You know, there's things that you know, we just didn't really have the time to fully dig into. So... Please, uh, in the comments, you know, please feel free to share those with us. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. And maybe there's another classic movie. You know, we think of Shrek as being this great classic movie. Maybe you have a classic movie you would like us to look at and, um, you know, kind of try and find some of these Christian parables in and uh, discuss on this podcast. Uh, feel free to put those in the comments as well, and we'll do our best. Yeah. We're not making any promises. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> you suggest a lame movie, I'm not, I'm probably not going to want to watch it, <laughs> yeah. but I've watched a lot of lame movies. They had Waterworld on the Netflix. Uh, I know. I just watched I actually kind of like Waterworld. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> I wish they put The Postman on, and that's a good movie. You know, it's another uh, Kevin Costner uh, box office swap, but it was a good one. Yeah. Was, thanks for joining us here on Real Parables. We hope to see you or hear from you in the comments below and uh, we look forward to you joining us next time. Bye.